Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. We're going to be talking about the kingdom story. You know, we've talked, you've heard the word king a lot lately in our church. If you think about our history, which I'm sure you guys have it all memorized, all our teachings, but in the 2022, we talked about the king, Jesus, and then we went into the Christmas series called The Unexpected King. So we've been talking about the king a lot. And then we just had a series in 23 of the people of the king. All right? So now we're going to talk about the kingdom of the king. And we're going to be on this throughout the entire summer. And uh, it's going to be really helpful series because the kingdom has great implications when we begin to understand it and take it in. You know, we look in the Bible... And the kingdom is referred to just throughout, from Genesis all the way to Revelations. We see this thing, this theme of the kingdom. Uh, In the Old Testament, they're waiting for the Messiah King. We see the kingdom breaking through to give taste of what was coming. We see this prophecy of of the kingdom coming. And then when Jesus comes on the scene, I mean, we're talking at a whole other level. We're talking about that it's like, I came to proclaim the kingdom is here and begins teaching on the kingdom of God all the time. And... uh, He did more than just talk about it. He taught, but he proclaimed it, and then he demonstrated. Like, this is what the kingdom is, and I want to show you what it does. And so all the things you see with Jesus, he's proclaiming the kingdom and the kingdom's power, coming under that authority, and here's what happens when that happens. And he's modeling to us what it is to be a citizen of the kingdom while we're here on this earth. And so as we look at all the things that Jesus did from healing to speaking and having God change people's lives through what he said, justice, mercy, forgiveness, delivering demons, even the miraculous where the kingdom's power over, overcame nature, right? And overtopped nature and stopped storms and raised people from the dead, right? It even overcame death. And so, but the religious leaders had a really hard time with the kingdom because have you ever had a way that you think and it's not that way? Well, that's what they were thinking. They were thinking of the kingdom and they were thinking much more natural terms and they were hoping that probably there's many different versions of this, but somehow there'd be a Messiah king who would who'd rise up in power and have the power of God through him overthrow the Romans. And, and, and they were probably thinking in different terms. And when Jesus came, he didn't look like the king they expected. And the kingdom that he talked about was really confusing to them because it wasn't how they were perceiving it. Now, you know, I grew up in the church, and I listened to the Bible a lot. I went to Sunday school, and then I became a Christian, and I started doing Bible studies. I did book studies, and I'm kind of uh, slightly embarrassed to say that if you would have, I know I was teaching Bible studies, if someone asked me about the kingdom for the first 15 years of my Christianity, I probably couldn't describe what it meant. You know, I would even memorize the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be. I I didn't even understand what that really meant, right? And uh, I'm not sure how I missed it. Uh, In fact, I remember the first few teachings, I heard people talking about the kingdom, and they were like, this is amazing, the kingdom of God. And they begin getting passionate about it. I thought, you're getting a little out of balance here, you know? I mean, you just seem like talking all the time. So then I went and looked to the scripture. Oh my goodness, there is so much throughout the scripture. It's a central part of the guy Jesus' teaching. I'm not sure how I missed it. And maybe you're there kind of as well. Maybe you've 
Maybe you're someone who hears this weird thing of like the kingdom of God, kingdom, and sometimes called the kingdom of heaven, same thing. And you think, I don't really, it's just blurry to me. It's like, uh, it's up there in heaven or something, and we don't know how to get it down to here. I mean, so maybe you're in that safe space. Or maybe theologically, you kind of, you've been in this church long enough, you kind of grasp the kingdom, but maybe you've not really ever experienced what that means at a deeper level, you know? And so, or maybe the thing, the, those of you in the room who have experienced the kingdom, you're not saying, oh, this boring series on the kingdom. You're thinking, yes, this is a great series because I love the kingdom. So for wherever you're at, God, I believe what he wants to do, he wants to reveal his kingdom in a clearer way through the series. And uh, so, you know, kind of pay attention to that. Now, the thing I'd say about the kingdom, and this one I'm going to talk about a lot today, is there's this thing called worldview, right? Most of you know what that is, some of you don't, but everybody in this room, every one of you, every kid is here, you have a worldview. That means you, you, think, you think about something in a certain way. Annie, are you up there playing? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so signs and wonders. All right, so so, you know, where was I at exactly? Worldview, thank you. Knocked off my worldview. So, you basically, you, 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 and the worldview comes from how you perceive, right? Now, here's the thing about your worldview. You think it's right. <laughs> you just like, you live according to it to the point that whatever your worldview is, how you perceive is how you make decisions and judgments, right? But of course... Our worldview, because we're in a fallen world, no one has a perfectly correct worldview. We have, we've often grown up with places where we've, the best way I think of describing worldview is we're looking through lenses, right? And these help me, but worldview, it's like they start getting cloudy and distorted and colored and we can't quite see clearly anymore because the worldviews that aren't correct become doing that. The kingdom of God, it causes you to see more rea- what reality is. It's like, oh my gosh, these lens of the I can see things, right? I couldn't see before. So, here's, here's a simple example of worldview that put it into a physical realm of perception. Let's talk about perception. I have this weird thing when I go to hotels. And the thing is, I go to the hotel room, and I don't know if you ever noticed, but hotel room, they all exactly the same hallway, exactly the same carpet, exactly the same lighting. And I think, did I get a room on the left or the right. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. It's probably just an old person's thing. But I've done it since I was a kid. I come out of the room and I'm certain my perception is I should turn right to the elevator or left elevator, whichever I decide. And I'm on my phone now or whatever. I'm going along and I run into this, the window and the, it's a long ways down the hallway and I realized my perception was incorrect. Now, you think that would be just enough, but the next day, I walk out, and I turn right, and then I say, there is a window there. I must turn the other way, because this is taking me away from where I want to go, and then I have to start being very precise and saying, I don't trust my worldview, what is true, and I look at the window, I said, not that way, this way, and by about the time I'm leaving, I know how to get out of the hotel, all right? 
That is perception. And when you have a worldview, you live according to it, and you just believe it's true, but it, always, it often takes you to a dead end. All right? Let me just ask you kind of a uh, simple question that I want you to be thinking about. Could it be that some of the dead ends, some of the things that are not working, that you keep finding are not working, are not circumstantial, are not human-based? It's not that they put the elevator in the wrong spot. (laughs) Maybe your perception is distorted. And maybe you need to see differently. Just think about that. Because that's a really life-giving idea, especially when you've been going down the hallway the wrong way for a long time. My wife, Debbie, is famous for a phrase when she's talking with people. She's She's not like me who talks all the time. She actually listens more. So she's listening. And that person is often repeating, I did this and this happened, and I did it again and this happened, and then I did it again. They don't understand they're saying it this way, but that's what they're saying. And Debbie always looks at him and says, how's that working for you? <laughs> I don't know if she even prays about it. I think she just says it every time. So it's like, what she's saying is there is like, how is that your perception? Is it always, if it's always taking you, maybe it's not working for you. Maybe your perception's wrong. Dallas Willard, in his book, Divine Conspiracy, has one of the greatest examples of understanding how this is in our world of how we view things. And he uses the example of jet fighter pilots. You know jet fighter pilots. He's a pro on this. You like this. So, jet fighter pilots. And they have a problem because what happens when they're flying at night or when it's really cloudy and there's no visual, they're flying along and they say, you know, I may be getting close to the ground, so they decide to go up. And so they quickly turn up and they crash into the mountains. And the reason they crash into the mountains is they're flying upside down and they didn't know it. This actually happens quite a bit, not quite a bit, but numbers of times jet pilots because they don't realize they're flying upside down. It, every part of their perception is saying they're flying right side up. And so when they decide to go up, they go down because their perception is incorrect. What is true is incorrect. You know, what they think is true is incorrect. But what's true is on the dashboard. And the instruments tell them, this is what's correct. Live according to the instruments. Right? That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to experience the kingdom of God. Because when we we begin entering into that realm and that rule, we begin seeing differently. And we realize that some of the ways we've been thinking have been upside down. Now, you know, I, I, I just, when we grasp the kingdom of God, we find ourselves believing in what is true and our life changes because we're living according to the truth that we're understanding and perceiving. We start perceiving differently. We start recognizing that, you know, as you trust in that, you start seeing clearer, this is who Jesus is in a way you didn't before. Oh, this is who I am in my new identity in Christ. I start understanding things about evil. 
I understand suffering in a whole different way. I understand this world. I understand the present and the future and the past in different ways. I start understanding what is temporal and what is eternal, what counts and what doesn't count. But I can't do that till I can start seeing through the lens of the kingdom of God. And so, you can kind of guess where we're going. Our guess, today, what we're going to talk about, if it clicks over there, there we go, is seek first the kingdom. Who can complete that verse? Seek first the kingdom. Anybody else? Anybody? Say it out loud. And his righteousness. And all those things will be added to you. Thumbs up. Great star. All right. So, so we're going to be talking about that. And uh, because here's the thing, if you haven't got it already, is, let me just read the verse with us as we get started. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, and what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We, when we seek the kingdom and grasp it, we, we see and perceive, how we see and perceive it determines how you live. The way you're living right now is because you're, is by what you perceive. And you're making choices off of what you perceive. And so, and we even, we even understand that from just a human level, right, of learning how do you operate in this world? Some of you have young children. Some of you are young children. And, uh, but if you can imagine, even, I know you guys are older, but when you're little, you had to figure out how to function. You didn't know that. You just jump up and down and do all the right things now. But back before, it's like you didn't know how to stand. You had to learn gravity. You had to learn what was hot and what was cold and what was good and what was bad. You had to learn that you couldn't breathe underwater. You know, my, my, uh, my, my daughter, Elise, first time we took her to a public swimming pool, about this tall, she just runs and jumps in the deep end. Just, <laughs> we, we fish her out. She didn't know she couldn't breathe in water. You know, she had to learn that. And she had to perceive that because her perception had her jump in the pool, a wrong perception. She had to learn it. She had to get it. And we have to realize that we, we have to realize there's a contrast between different places we have to learn, right? You know, as we grow up, we're, we're learning this world. But as we, as we think about this, and let's take it another level. Let's think about moving from one country to the other. Our Bangladeshi friends understand that's really easy, right, <laughs> Patrick? Just simple. Everything's the same as in, in Kenya and Congo, right? It's just the same. No, it's not the same at all. It's like totally different. And you're in another kingdom. You're in another you're in the United States, and it's not like Africa. I actually had a friend, I have a friend of mine, his name is Yushitala, some of you know him, and he's a pastor friend of mine. He came over in the 80s because of persecution in Ethiopia, and he was just at the, his wit's end, and so just to help him survive emotionally, a, a beautiful Mennonite group helped him come over, and he ended up being in the United States. He had never been in the Western country at all, and never experienced anything that we us Westerners experience. And he's by himself, and he's trying to learn other language. He doesn't quite understand things. And I remember Yushitsula talks about this one story. He's in Philadelphia, and he's, he's um, driving a car, which was not good. But 
he didn't really know the difference between gas and, I mean, he was learning. And uh, in the middle of downtown Philadelphia, and he hit the gas, he, he violated numbers of laws. Anyway, accidentally, but the police pull him over. Now, he's working from a perception of being an Ethiopian, right? And they pull him over, he doesn't know the language very well, and he, because he's so erratic, and he's not, they look at him, and this is in the 80s when there's all this racial tension going on in Philadelphia. So he has dark skin, the police are there, and they think, huh. So they, they realize, they say, once you get out of the car, lights are going. Yoshida does what an Ethiopian does. He shows submission. So he lowers his head like this. And they said, hands up, and he couldn't understand him. He keeps losing his hands down. Because in his mind, authority's here, I must submit and show that I'm submitting to authority. And he keeps getting lower and lower. Well, eventually there's multiple cop cars around him with guns drawn, and he's in Ethiopia uh, uh, world in his car, but he's in America. <laughs> and he can't, there's a huge contrast. It was upside down from what he knew. Fortunately, he didn't get shot. Once they took him in and heard his story, they apologized and he went back on his way. But I'm just saying, that is just in one country to another country, right? We have moved from the kingdom of this world into an eternal kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and the reason Jesus talks so much about it because it's so different to live in that world. And we have to learn to live in that world, this new identity we've received. So when you trust in Jesus, and you say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, so much happens that you need to understand. You are actually forgiven you have now received the righteousness of Christ in place, not because you deserve it, because of God, what Christ has done. You have been adopted into the household of God at that moment, and you have entered citizenship. And your identity now is, I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and that's your eternal, ongoing, and never-change identity. All right? That's a pretty big change. And so, the contrast is way bigger than... Africa and Philadelphia, right? It's, it's huge. In Ephesians, it says, all of us have access by one spirit to the Father so that we no longer are strangers or aliens. In other words, kingdom of heaven, it's, we're strangers and aliens, but now it says, but you are fellow citizens and with the saints and the members of God's household. You're fellow citizens now. In Philippians, He's contrasting people who live according to this world, just what they perception comes that they've come up with in this world, in a temporal way of looking at things. He contrasts it with, the, with this place of being a citizen of heaven. And he basically says, the people who are living in the world are living for the physical things and, and seeking after them to their shame because they've set their mind on earthly things. It says, and it goes on to say, but our citizenship is from, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus. We long to go home, but now we've become aliens to this world. We're that contrasted. And so he goes on to talk about this place in, in context about eating and drinking, and, and I want to just put this into context. Uh, 
It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, think about the verses that came for this. We don't have time to go through this, but if you look at this chapter in, in Matthew 6, I'll just give you a little bit of how Matthew has put it in a particular context and order of how he wrote different things. And then this particular, some chapters are just all over the map. This one you can tell is, has a reason for the context of what he wrote to Jesus. It starts out in Matthew in verse 10, teaching the Lord's Prayer, which starts with, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how he starts out. And he goes on and he has other things throughout the chapter. He says, he starts talking about, don't lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. They get rust and they get destroyed. Put your treasures into what's going to be eternal. And he goes on to say, this is a really interesting verse. The reason you put your treasures into this eternal, because where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will follow. So whatever you treasure in your heart, you, you can treasure it and it takes your heart there. You become a part of that. Goes on to talk about the way we see, saying that, uh, by the way, the 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 eye that there's a lamp. Your eyes like the lamp to the whole body, and the way you see determines if your whole body is filled with light or darkness. Again, it's talking about perception and seeing the correct way, and it closes out with this place of you can't serve two masters. You can't try to love money and. <laughs> And love God, it doesn't work. There's, there, there are opposite ways of looking at worldview. If you have the world of loving money and seeking that, you can't seek the kingdom. It's contrary to that. So as you go through that, then he goes on to place, don't worry about all these things. And it continues on and says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's the context in what that is in. I love this because he's not saying that these needs that we have aren't very important. He sees them all. He says, you need all these. It's like, but if you begin seeking those things, you can't seek the kingdom. And he's saying, you got to seek first the kingdom. Isn't it good to have something simple? It's, it's not always easy, but it's simple. If you seek the kingdom first, you're always going to be taken care of. You don't have to worry about that. It's not like, let me get taken care of so I can start seeking the kingdom. Let me get my bank account up to here. Let me get this established. Then I can start seeking the kingdom. No, you seek the kingdom first, and then God takes care of the rest. And I, I love it because what he's saying here is saying that we have a choice to, think, to seek the physical realm of this world or the eternal realm of the kingdom of heaven. And be wise and seek what lasts forever. Put your whole, and I, and I would put it this way, is start treasuring it. Start seeking it first. And it's not just seeking. It's interesting here. It's like seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Because here's our tendency. We have a tendency of seeking physical things to bring us, to bring us satisfaction, which God knows we need. And we have a tendency of being self-righteous and trying to justify ourselves and make ourselves okay. And it's exhausting. 
It's like turning down the hall every day and going to the dead end. <laughs> it is a wrong way of thinking. The way we think of is, is understanding the way we live is we seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, not our own. It's the most concise, directive, helpful verse I think I've ever experienced. Like this is just a great way to live. Because when you treasure the kingdom, you begin learning it and treasuring it, it starts changing your heart. It starts changing how you see, and you start acting and seeing differently. You know, one thing that I thought about as we were thinking about this is like, isn't this a long series? Can we, can we like shorten this down a little bit? I mean, all summer, really? Yes. <laughs> Here's why. Look in the Bible and see how much time Jesus devoted to trying to help people to understand the kingdom. Think about the parables that you think about in your mind. Think about these kind of verses. You think about how long he proclaimed and talked about the kingdom of God to help his disciples know how to live on this earth. It's interesting uh, in another section where Paul it's interesting, Paul has this group of people who are, uh, who are the religious leaders having a hard time with this whole, this whole talk about Jesus and who Jesus was and his kingdom and the Messiah. They're going through that. And so Paul goes in and basically calls them and says, hey, what are you questions you have? And so he starts getting a group together. And what's interesting is when he got them together, uh, he starts out with this. Here's how it starts out with. And the first part says, and I'm not going to read the whole uh, chapter or the 23 to 31, but it says, and they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and he came even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning, see this is, this is a short teaching, from morning till evening. Now this, I think God's asking us to do that. We are going to stay here. No, that, but he went from morning to evening explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and the prophets who tried to persuade them, and tried to persuade them about Jesus. And their response was, not great. They got really irritated, and, and they said many started leaving, because then what he did, when he was watching what was happening in their heart, when he started talking about the kingdom of God, he watched them close down, and so he just decided to quote, this is what they left after this part of the message. He said, you know, you're like the people of Israel, using Isaiah as a quotation. You, you will, will you ever be hearing or understanding? Will you ever be seeing or you're never perceiving? The people's hearts became callous and they hardly, uh, they hardly hear their ears. They close their eyes. Otherwise, they would have seen with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turned and I would have healed them. And so when we're talking about the kingdom of God over this series, part of your role is that you have to decide, am I going to open my heart to this whole thing of having the rule and reign of the kingdom? And what does that mean? Do, will I seek the kingdom? And then he goes on, and eventually people take off. But he has a group that's left. And here's what, look what he does. For, <laughs> for two whole years... Paul stayed there in there, stayed there in his 
own rented house and welcomed who came to see him. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. <laughs> Two years. We only have 11 weeks, I think, during the summer. Okay? We're okay. But that's how important it is. And so the invitation is really pretty straightforward today. It's really about kind of starting out this series and deciding, I'm going to, I'm going to engage in this series. I want to know more about this kingdom. I want to know about what it means to be a citizen of this kingdom on this earth. And so out of these verses that I mentioned, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is a prayer I want you to do just to be praying. Jesus, help me seek and treasure your kingdom and your righteousness first. I want to live in and under the rule and reign of your kingdom. Open my eyes to see and my hearts to receive your kingdom. Okay, I'd like you just to close your eyes and I want to lead us to that prayer. We're not going to wait on the invitation. We want to give you a chance to respond to that right now. You know, Vineyard is always really, you know, we don't, do, we don't do written prayers over and over again. We just sing written songs over and over again. We, we somehow have a problem with that, but, but written prayers are actually quite good because it's not about the words, it's about you engaging your heart. And so I'm going to read this prayer, but I, I'm going to slow it down a little bit as you close your eyes. And I want you to just pray the things from your heart. Your kids can do the same thing. You just, you're sitting there anyway, right? You want to pray with us. So just, Holy Spirit, just come. Engage your heart with this prayer. Jesus, help me to seek and treasure your kingdom and your righteousness first. Just pray that out in your heart. Jesus, help me seek and treasure your kingdom and your righteousness first. Ask him. I want to live in and under the rule and reign of your kingdom. I want to live in and under the rule and reign of your kingdom. Open my eyes to see and my heart to receive your kingdom and your righteousness right now. Jesus, open my eyes to see and my heart to receive your kingdom and your righteousness. Amen. The worship team can come on up. We're going to move into a time of communion. And... Um, The way we do communion is we are going to, um, we have these here in a basket, and we're going to ask the Tomax, they're going to, you can come up, and we'll have two servers, and they'll have the baskets here, and, and when we have, we'll start a time 
of just a worship song. And in that song, we want you to just use that time, whether you're waiting or standing in line or sitting there, to be reflecting. And what you, communion is a place, it's a place of both remembering what Christ has done. The reason that we're able to come into his household, the reason we're able to be a citizen is because of what Christ has done. It was a high cost for us to be welcome into the kingdom. And that his body broken and his blood poured out was a gave, covering to the place that we could come into the, his kingdom. So we're remembering that and we're reflecting on the implications of that. It's like he did this so we could be connected to him and to one another. And so we look at that, those two areas of like, how am I doing this way? And how am I doing this way? That's part of communion. And God, is there anything I need to, to know during this time and, and to, to turn to you? And just renew my commitment to you. Renew my commitment to my brothers and sisters. Or if there's something I have against someone, how do I work to that? And then we're proclaiming. We're using as a proclamation of the kingdom, of what God has done. And longing for his, his son to return so we can fully experience the kingdom. You know? So as we do that, you can be reflecting on that. And then when we get done, we'll, have, uh, you, we'll take it all together. I'll come back up when the song's done and we'll, we'll do it together as well. All right? So let me just pray for our time if the Tomax want to come on up. And, um, and the way we typically do it, if you come down the center two aisles and go around that way, it usually works a little better. And if you know Jesus, we welcome you. If you don't, this is not about church membership. This is about if you know Jesus, please join us in this as well. Holy Spirit, we just pray, God, that you will come during this time. We thank you for what you did for us. Just be in this time of connecting to you. We're so glad that we could be a part of one another and a part of you. Come Holy Spirit.